Let's go to 1 Corinthians this morning, chapter 6. And I'm going to read verses 9 through 11. And if you would stand for the first reading of it, as you find it in your Bible, or you can read off the screen. I'm going to actually read this three times, but we'll just have you stand once and we'll pray and then I'll get to the rest. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. But I love verse 11, and this is where I'll get to in a little while. Such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of of our God. Heavenly Father, I pray simply for your help this morning. Help me, Lord, to be able to bring forth your word. Help us together collectively to be able to worship in your word and see the truth of your word. God, let what we do and say in this house glorify and honor you. Nothing more, nothing less. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to read this two more times. The reason being there's a couple of words in there that I think we really need to kind of get our head wrapped around and we really need to understand. Let me read to you. Uh, it's not one of my favorite translations, but I particularly like the way it's done in this passage. It's out of the Passion Translation. It says, Surely you must know that people who practice evil cannot possess God's kingdom realm. You cannot be more plain than how it puts that. If you practice evil, you will not be in God's kingdom. And then with an exclamation mark, it says, stop being deceived. My Lord, we walk around and we look around today and churches are practicing everything but what's in the Bible. We've even got some within our own denomination. I won't say that they practice things of the world, but we try to be like the world to entice the world to come in. But I'm reminded of what Paul said when he first started the letter to those in Corinth. At the very beginning, he said he didn't come to do things a certain way or to have wisdom of words, but he simply comes to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. He didn't come to do anything else. And it seems like that we try to do all of these other things. And I've been guilty at, at times myself. What can we do to get more people into the seats? What can we do for more people to hear about Jesus? And we'll try to find all of these things. But the, the fact of the matter is, is what it boils down to, we need to quit being deceived. We try to put all of these other things above Jesus when Jesus himself is enough. 
If Jesus is really enough for me to make it into heaven, then Jesus should be enough for us to be able to bring people in to hear his gospel. We just have to figure out how to preach it with truth and conviction. We need to figure out how to walk it out, how to live what the Bible has told us to live. And I'm firmly convinced that if we will follow along with what the Bible says, then we will be in the prime position to witness to our friends, to witness to our family and not have them look at us and be able to make accusations against us saying that we're not doing what we're supposed to do. Why do they need to come? Do not be deceived. Stop being deceived. People who continue to engage in sexual immorality, idolatry, adultery, sexual perversion, homosexuality, Fraud, greed, drunkenness, verbal abuse, or extortion. These will not inherit God's kingdom realm. It, is, it can be no more plain. But, but listen to, to all of that list. I want to go back again because, see, we like to key in on we can't allow this sin to take over the world. And, and I had no idea that everything was going to happen in the White House that happened or that this was even coming out. But it's a hot-button issue in society today. It's a hot-button issue within the church. We, we know that God created male and female. He created male and female in his image and there are no other genders and you are absolutely one or the other. We know that to be true, but we key in on that and somehow we like to say that those that are doing these things are far worse than other people that aren't quite so bad. We will even look, and, and I'm guilty of this, they're a good person, they just need Jesus. They never cheat anybody, they never do any of these other things, they always take care of their home, they always take care of their spouse. But can I tell you this morning that a good person that is not submitted to Christ is no better than someone that chooses gender X on their social security application, is no better than a homosexual male prostitute, which is one of the words that is used here, is no better than an adulterer. Or that practice other things. Why do I say that? Because no matter what translation you read it in, the word is crystal clear. You see, the second one listed in this list of people that will not see God's kingdom realm is idolaters. In other words, someone that worships anything that is created above him that is the creator. And if you are not submitted to Christ, even if by society standards you are a good man or a good woman, the fact of the matter is, is if you are not submitted to Christ, there is something that you trust more than Jesus. If you are not submitted to Jesus Christ, there is something that you hold in, in esteem higher than Jesus. Because if you did not, you would submit to Christ. But yet you're afraid to lose a job. You're afraid to lose a spouse. You're afraid to lose a dollar. You're afraid to lose something if you submit to Christ. So that thing that you're afraid of, is an idol and Paul makes no distinction that they will have anything different other than everybody else in the list we don't like that word do we that just because you hold money a little bit higher than Christ and you're afraid to submit because you'll have to start paying tithes 
that puts you in the exact same boat as a transgender homosexual. Hmm. There's not an amen one in the house this morning. You see, people who continue to engage in sexual immorality, idolatry, go on through the list, will not inherit God's kingdom realm. Your inheritance is exactly the same. But we don't like that anyway. Let me go on before I get in too much trouble. The Passion Translation goes on to read, It's true that some of you once lived in those lifestyles. I would probably go a little different in my translation and say every one of you lived one of those lifestyles. Why do I say that? Because when Adam and Eve fell, the entirety of the world that was born after them were born into a sinful state. We like to say God didn't make someone this way or God didn't make no junk. That's absolutely right. He created Adam and Eve in perfection and he set before them a tree of life that they could go and eat from freely. But what they decided to do was to succumb to the tempter and be kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And from that point on, yes, God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb but when you come out you were born into a sinful world and you need the blood of Jesus Christ before you can enter in into the kingdom of heaven so every one of you in here this morning if you are not submitted to Christ don't worry just look around and everyone in here has been in the same boat that you are in right now if you're watching online this morning, don't feel bad because of what you've done yesterday. Don't feel bad because of what you've done last year. Know that if you walk into a church house, it is full of people that have sinned just like you. That one is not any worse than the other. And it says on, goes on to say in, in this particular translation that you have been purified from sin. You have been made holy. You've been given a perfect standing before God. Why? Is there anything that anyone in this church, I can't save you. All I can do is tell you the truth. Your mommy and daddy can't save you. Your spouse cannot save you. There is nothing that anybody on this earth can do to help you get into the kingdom of heaven other than tell you about Jesus Christ. There is only one that ever went to a cross and died so that I might be able to live. There's only one that ever ascended up into the throne room of heaven and applied his blood once for all to the altar that the earthly one was patterned after but up there it's an altar that has stayed forever. And since about zero year 030 somewhere through that neighborhood it has had the blood of Christ on it and it has been running fresh ever since just to be able to clean from sin from my sin every one of you in here have to have that blood not the blood of bulls and goats and we don't need to make peace offerings and all of these other things right now the only thing that can get us into heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ and that's what it makes clear all because of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. But it's through our union with the Holy Spirit of God. You see, we can't do this alone. You can come and you can get the blood and then you can reject the Spirit and you'll walk right back out into what you were in yesterday. If you don't walk in the Spirit, you will automatically walk in the flesh. 
That's just the, the hard facts. There are no middle grounds listed within the Bible. Everywhere you look, and it doesn't matter which writer you look or in which book, there are only two ways to walk. It's either in light or it's in darkness. It's in spirit or it's in flesh. You can't walk in both. Matter of fact, in Revelation, I, I think it's pretty accurate in saying he wishes you were either hot or cold, but since you keep trying to straddle a fence, he's going to spew you out of his mouth. Now, here's my translation, and I want to be careful, very careful as I read this. Because a couple of those words in there, we really need to get our head around. You see, we like to try to look at things and say, well, maybe this is okay, but not this. And where do we draw the line? Well, where we draw the line is where the Word of God says the line needs to be drawn. And Paul is very clear. I, I, matter of fact, sometimes I find Paul a little hard to follow and a little hard to understand. I think he was just that smart. But in this particular little list, to me, he becomes abundantly clear that there are a whole list of things that we can all lump together and quit trying to look at one and put it above the other. Either you have Christ or you do not. And if you do not have Christ, quit trying to set yourself above the sin of another one because theirs is just as bad as yours and yours is just as bad as theirs. I don't particularly care what society tells you is acceptable. I don't particularly care how society tries to push you into something. You can take your peer pressure and throw it out the window. None of it matters. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolater, nor adulterer, nor those that are passively homosexual, nor those that are aggressively or dominantly homosexual, nor a thief, See, Paul makes no distinction here. The thief is just the same. The idolater is just the same. The adulterer is just the same. Sexually immoral is the word where we get pornography from. Fornication is what the King James calls it. It's any activity outside of your marriage bed. And we know that marriage is defined as a man and a woman. Just the same as a greedy person. No different. Just the same as a drunkard. That old drunk at the bar that'll give you the shirt off his back. That'll mow your grass for you tomorrow when you call him. He's got the same reward if he's not submitted to Christ. Not an abusive person. That's a wide-ranging label are you abusive to your friends in your use of them in your language towards them in your lack of love towards them are you abusive towards your spouse are you abusive towards your children do you talk good to them do you take care of them as you should treat them if you don't you're an abusive person and you've got the same reward as the rest not a robber, 
How will you rob God in tithes and offerings? How will you rob God in tithes and offerings? A robber has no part of the kingdom of heaven. A robber has no part in the kingdom of God. But now it goes on to say, and this was some of you. In other words, some of you have been robbers at times in your life. There are some of you that have not paid your tithes. I have been guilty of that at times. When I first got saved and first started in church, I didn't know how I was going to pay a car payment, so I'd pay it instead of paying tithes. I paid the price. All of us at some point have done something on this list. We've all been abusive of someone around us at some point. We've said cross words to them and we've not treated them fairly. We've not done the things that we should do. We've all been in situations at some point in our life where we have placed something on a shelf above God. We had our Bible laid up there and we would pick it up and we'll go to church on Sundays and we'll go to church on Wednesdays and we'll say a hallelujah, praise the Lord, and we'll raise our hands up, but we will not submit to Christ because when we walk back into into the workplace on Monday the Bible is laying on the second shelf down and we are more worried about the checkbook that's laid on the top shelf and we will not say a word about Jesus because it might get us fired we won't listen to a particular radio station because they don't sing that red back hymnal and now all that music is devil music even though on air they're talking about praising the Lord but if it's not southern gospel it ain't right I don't think we have anybody like that in here. I don't think. If you do, I'm not sorry. What that's doing is taking this and putting it above the Word of God. You can go right on down the list and find something in here. I'm not saying everybody has cheated on their wife, but you know what? If you rob God, you might as well have because you're into going into the same place. I'm not saying anyone in here has been consumed by homosexual thoughts, but if you are abusive towards your spouse, you might as well be because you've got the same reward. Y'all might not have me back tonight. You see, we've come to a place where we have flipped the word of God. You see, the word of God tells us to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. We should trust God with everything in us. And yet what we do is we have come to the point to where we say, Oh, God will understand. Oh, but that sin is so much worse. Surely God has something worse in store for them than He does for me. Oh, we can't allow that to happen in the schools. Teach it at home. My God in heaven, quit worrying about someone in society teaching your kids about the God that you proclaim to worship and proclaim to love and proclaim to follow. Quit relying on someone else to teach them and you go home and you open up the Word of God and you pray with them and you read to them and you teach them right from wrong. Then you don't have to worry about it. But no, we don't trust the Lord, we trust the teacher, we trust the checkbook, we trust the government, we trust the check that comes in the mail every month. We trust everything but trusting the Lord with all our heart. 
We lean on our own understanding. You see, the verse don't read lean on your own understanding. The verse reads lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. But we're wise in our own eyes. Oh, I know what's best for me. I know what I like and I don't like. I don't care what you like. You need to love Jesus. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Quit having things above Jesus. Quit robbing God. But you know what? Get your eye off the world. Quit worrying about what they're doing in Washington. Quit worrying about what someone else can put down on their application. Quit worrying about what they're teaching in schools. Unless you've got a kid in school and then you better follow up on them. Why? Paul, just before 1 Corinthians 6 said this, he said, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. So he had written a letter before to those in Corinth and told them not to associate with these kind of people. But he said, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world or the greedy or the swindlers or the idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. In other words, Paul's telling them, don't be shocked by what's going on there and don't walk away from it. They need to hear that Jesus Christ was crucified. But quit worrying about what they're doing. What I'm telling you, what Paul told them in Corinth, and what I'm telling you this morning is you need to worry about it in the church house and quit worrying about it out in the world. We will look at the world, and, and we've prayed this way, I've prayed this way, I've heard others pray this way all of my life. God, you need to save the church out of the world. It's getting rampant with this. It's getting rampant with that. They're killing babies in abortion. It's full of homosexuals. They don't honor you. They won't even allow prayer in schools. Well, you're not allowing prayer in your home and you're more focused on what the world is doing instead of what the church house has been doing. Paul said, I'm writing you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother if he is guilty. Not the world. Don't be surprised. They follow Satan. They walk in the flesh. What do we expect of them except everything that's listed in the Bible? We should not go out into the world and expect them to act like saved folk. But I do expect you to act like saved folk in the church house. In other words, I expect you to not have idols above Jesus Christ. I expect you to not rob God. That's a reasonable expectation. I expect you, if you come in here and you give your heart to Jesus, that you're not going to cheat on your spouse anymore. That's reasonable. That's what God said to do. But if they claim the name of a brother, a Christian, a Christ follower, and they're sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a or drunkard or swindler, don't even eat with such a one. Y'all have been through enough in this particular church to know that that is not how it works always, is it? They'll pick them up and they'll move them somewhere else. Not just here, but other places too. 
So let me go back to this again because I've, I've been a little harsh this morning. Not intentionally, but we need to know the Word of God. And we need to know that there is not one thing that is elevated above another. And sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow because we like some things. We like someone that's driven to make money and is successful. We don't have a problem with them. I don't have a problem with them either as long as I love Jesus more. But even if they don't love Jesus, if they will just give to you a little bit every once in a while and they'll bless your church a little bit every once in a while, you don't have a problem with them. But then when you find out your cousin is living in a homosexual lifestyle, you have problems with them and you shun them. When you find out that your best friend's husband cheated on her, you just cut him out and you won't ever talk to him again. When you find out someone that sat beside you in church for 20 years didn't pay tithes, surely there must be a good reason, though. But Paul said this was the lifestyle of all of you at one point. Every one of you are just as guilty at some point in your life. But, don't walk out of here this morning with your head hung down. Don't walk out of here this morning feeling beat up. Walk out feeling rejuvenated and alive and happy. Why? Because, but you are washed. God at some point got a hold of your soul and you decided to come up unto the, the fount of the blood of Jesus Christ and you decided to have your sins washed away and you decided to have that heart of stone replaced with the heart of flesh. You decided for that blackness of sin to be washed with the scarlet blood of Jesus Christ and you are now whiter than snow. You're ready to be presented in front of God in white raiment. You're ready to enter in into the kingdom of heaven hearing Jesus Christ Christ say enter in my good and faithful servant you see it doesn't matter what you've done yesterday but today you are washed you have got under something that took away everything that you ever done and they can do the same thing you've got reason to be happy this morning and shout because it says also but ye are sanctified in other words but you are now holy what you used to do in sin you don't do anymore what used to have a grip over your life and control you you and make you drive towards every false and wrong decision no longer has a hold of you because he who the son has set free is free indeed he who walks in the spirit is no longer a slave to the flesh see you were a slave to all of these things of the world and you didn't care what anyone else done because you were doing the same thing you didn't care what anyone else done because they would be with you for eternity in hell and it didn't make any never mind to you but now because you have been washed, you are also sanctified. You are set apart. You are someone different. You are a new creature in Christ. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, He has come down and not only washed you out, but set your feet up on the rock. He's taken your feet up out of the
the miry clay and he has put you in a position to walk a different lifestyle. But Paul doesn't stop there. Not only are you washed off, not only are you sanctified, but you now have a legal and right standing. Now you are justified to go before God himself. Jesus is our only intermediary between God and man. He is the one that has put his blood on the altar. But in Hebrews, it tells us we can go boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace. You see, we've got this legal ability and legal authority now because we have been washed, because we have been sanctified. We've got this legal right and ability to go bow down before the throne of God. And we can look at him now and we can say, God, I know that I've done all of these things. God, help me to quit looking down on someone that was just like I was at one time. But God, I'm begging of you. Will you send that same spirit to them so that they can get cleaned up just the same as I was cleaned up? God, can you help me not prefer one person or one sin over another? But God, you have cleaned me. God, you sanctified me. God, you justified me. So Lord, now I'm here because you've given me that legal right. And I'm bowing down before you. You see, now you've got that legal right. You've got a responsibility. And you've got the authority to go before God and start asking for things in your life. You didn't have that before. You were in the same boat as everybody else. We look down at one person and say, my Lord, how can they do such a thing? You've done the same thing. Oh, how could they even, why could they even fathom that that would be acceptable? You thought the things you were doing were acceptable. But you were washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified. Not in and of yourself. Not because you laid down something, but because you picked something up. You see, it wasn't because you laid down a liquor bottle. It was because you picked up Jesus Christ. It wasn't because you laid down a foul mouth. It was because you picked up the Holy Ghost. It wasn't because you laid down money. It was because you picked up God. You see, he goes on to say that it's all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the spirit of our God. I want to ask you a simple question this morning. Are you washed? I want to ask you this morning, are you sanctified? The same word that's used for sanctified depending on context, can be translated as holy or sanctified. Are you holy? Is your day-to-day life something that would be acceptable in heaven? Are you wholly set apart? You want a definition of holy? Just remember, God is holy because He is holy other. He is entirely separate from the filth and sin of the world. Are you holy? Are you sanctified this morning? Are you justified? Do you have a legal right and authority to go before Jesus this morning? 
Now, if you don't, you can. You can before you walk out of this church house this morning. You can have every one of them happen right there at the altar. Why? Because Jesus' blood is still flowing fresh. The will of the Father is that all would come to the knowledge of truth, wishing that no one perish. You might feel like you've been washed, but you ain't quite sanctified yet. You keep struggling with this and that and the other. God can sanctify you. He can clean you up. So the call first and foremost is if you need the blood of Christ, if you need salvation, come, 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 come. But the second thing is this, if you are justified, if you have a right standing before God, I don't even know that I want you to come to pray this morning, I want you to come to praise. Why? Because Paul wrote to those saints of God and he said, but some of you live this. But you're washed. Come and praise God that you are washed. Come and praise God that you are sanctified. Come and praise God that you have the right to praise Him, that you're justified. Now, if you want to pray, that's fine, but I'm asking you if you will. If you are washed, sanctified, and justified, will you come and praise God for it that He no longer has to look at you in sin? That you have been set free, that you no longer belong to the world. If you can and you're able, if you're able, just come and praise Him for that this morning.